And are you are you ready for the word this morning? Awesome. Well, let's begin with First Peter chapter one. Be reading verses thirteen through twenty-two or twenty-three, something like that. But um, one of the things that, as I think about, you know, closing out twenty-three and it's like how important it is when you think of a, a race and finishing the race. It's it's how we finish that's important because that's what everybody is watching is how we finish. It's like mm, a race of endurance that's really important that we finish well. And we're turning a page as this being the last day of 2023, ready to move into 24 where there will be some new beginnings in 24, starting tomorrow. So, 1 Peter, beginning with verse 13. Therefore, everybody just say therefore. Anytime we see that in the Bible, we know something important is coming after that, don't we? Therefore. Gird up the loins of your mind. It's like, gird up the loins. It's like, what in the world? I think of the, the loins. When it talks about the loins, it's like we're talking about within your loins. That's the big, that's some of the strong muscles that are carrying your legs. The things that move you around and keep you stable is your loins, right? Yeah. So, it's really important. It was, I just wanted to kind of point that out and to focus on that. Gird up the loins, like the strong part, the strong muscles of your mind. Be sober. Yeah, maybe we could say that again. This is New Year's Eve today. (laughs) Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's like, whoa, the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Understanding the revelation of Jesus Christ and who he is, and it is by grace that we are saved through faith. His grace. The revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children. Gird up the loins of your mind... Rest your hope in him, brought to revelation as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Turn to your neighbor and say, be holy in all your conduct. It's like, oh, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts. That's where we started out, as in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Why? Because... Because it is written, God said, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, 
who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your sojourning here, as your wanderings about, as you're doing what you do here on earth, your time of sojourning here in fear. It's like in fear. What is what is what do you think that means in fear? In fear, in the awe of God, in knowing that He's omnipotent, that He's all powerful, He's omnipresent, in the fear and all knowing, yes. In the fear of Him, which is of of God, you know, we're, we're, we're moving through, we're navigating our way through in fear. It's like fear. It's like, oh, no, I want to I make sure that it's, we understand it's a reverent fear. It's an awesome fear. It's like he's an incredible and amazing God, and we don't want to fall out of his grace or out of his favor. That kind of fear. Are you with me? That's the fear that we're wandering through. We're sojourning through. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. It's like, man, one of the things that we have to realize is, you know, we have been raised up in a home. There were a lot of traditions in our homes that we continue to practice which is part of our aimless wandering and part of our aimless conduct. We don't even realize anything different. We inherited that from our home, from our fathers and our mothers. Right? I mean, we only know what we knew, what we grew up with, what we saw. But we were not, at that time, responsible for the revelation that we now have. Are you with me? We now have a revelation of the grace of Jesus Christ, and we are responsible to that revelation with our conduct. That's good right there, isn't it? Yeah, thank you. Maybe there, I heard that amen finally. All right. Knowing that you were redeemed with corrupt, not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. <clears throat> he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for who? You, us, me. He was for us, manifest for us, who through him believe in God. For you who through Jesus now believe in God, who raised Jesus, him, from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Is that not some powerful starting right here? It's a great start from the end of the year. Since, you've been pure, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Oh, how have we purified our souls? In obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. 
having been born again, you know, when we give our heart to Jesus, we go through a process in which we are born again to become a new creation. One of the coolest things when I think about, you know, like trying to remember all of the things that happened throughout the year, it's like, I can definitely remember what happened yesterday. Pastor Tim, you remember what happened yesterday? Alex, do you remember what happened yesterday? Alex, would you just stand up and let everybody see that really big smile right there? See this guy in the back with a great big smile and the glow on his face? He gave his heart to Jesus just a few days ago when we baptized him. We had a baptism here yesterday morning at 10 o'clock. He is now born again, filled with the promise, <laughs> walking a new man, walking a new life. Born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Mm. It's good stuff. I want to turn now to Hebrews. The 12th chapter of Hebrews. We were born again of non-corruptible seed. I, I, I love that. We, we finish on that one. We turn now to Hebrews, the 12th chapter. And I'm just going to start reading to you a little bit. That's like the best preaching you can do is just hear the word right straight out of the Bible. You know, can't mess that up too much. We're going to begin with verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Uh, say every weight. every weight. And then just think about that for a second. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin. Boy, nobody wants to say that. Every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And the really important part, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand the right throne of God, at the right hand of the throne of God. It's like one thing that we have to know uh, is we are running an endurance race. It's like a marathon and then another marathon and then another marathon. This is not just a sprint that we're in. And it's like, you know, we're in it for the long haul. It's an endurance race. And I'm going to say that about three times, an endurance race. And there are things in this race that we must endure. Which doesn't sound like much fun either, but we're going to look at, at considerably more scripture about enduring. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. You know that you and I are a part of that joy. Right? The joy set before him was our freedom, our healing, our willingness, our desire to follow and to serve him. 
That's a lot of joy right there, isn't it? And we get to receive his joy. For the joy that's set before him endured the cross. So we have a race to endure. Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him which endured such hostility from sinners against himself. See, here's the really frustrating part. For the, he, he came from heaven to be a man wrapped in flesh, to be a man right here on earth, and had to endure the hostility from sinners, those that he came to save. When we think about that, it's like, oh, man. He was humiliated. He was spit on. He endured all of that nasty, nasty stuff against him from the sinners that he came to save. Lest, so consider all of this, what Jesus went through, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. It's like, well, when we compare what we go through or have gone through compared to what he went through, it's just not that much, is it? Huh? No, no, thank you. See, you have not resisted to bloodshed striving against sin. And when I think of, of, of bloodshed, resisting to the point of bloodshed, we've, we've had some discussions. It's like, man, would I be willing to die for Jesus? Would I be willing to die for Jesus? It's like, oh, I want to lay down my life for him. But, man, I would hope that we wouldn't be like Peter. It's like, Lord, no, give me the strength to endure not to deny you like Peter did three times. Like, no, no, no. Give me the strength to endure, Lord. Um, even to the, I think, also resisting to bloodshed. You know, he was sweating blood the night before. Actually, sweating blood to the point of resisting sin, resisting temptation, to the point of droplets of blood coming out as he was sweating. And you've forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. Now, how many sons and daughters do we have in the church this morning? Awesome. That's a beautiful thing to see. Have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. You know what chastening is. Getting corrected, getting corrected good sometimes. But do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. So what is rebuke and what is chastening? Chastening is some really strong correction, and rebuke is a really strong verbal, being verbally rebuked for what you've done. Right? You're with me. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges, scourges every son whom he receives. It's like, chastened and scourged? Jesus was scourged with a whip. Are we going to be scourged with a whip? It's like, no, no, no. But I shared with probably the last time, one of the last times that I was speaking that... Um, uh, Oh, what was the guy's... Oh, shoot, I can't think of his name right now. But he said something that I absolutely hated the first time that I heard it. And the longer that I've lived, the more that I've become to realize that when God says, before you will be mightily used, you will be deeply bruised. 
There are things that have to happen. There are things that we're going to go through. That's a scourging that might take place in our lives to see if we end up passing the test to receive what he has for us, to step into the calling that he's calling us to. It's like, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. How many want to be favored sons of God? How many plan to be dealing with some chastening? (laughs) God deals with you as sons, for what son is there whom a father does not chasten? If you were without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you were illegitimate and not sons. In other words, who he loves, who he's called, he is going to rebuke, correct, scourge, and chasten. We got it? Even if it doesn't sound like that much fun? We believe it? We receive it? Okay. I asked here a few weeks ago how many are correctable. It's like, okay, we're ready to be corrected. All right, God, we're ready. Okay, I want you to turn, well, you don't have to turn very far. It's 13th chapter. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. I know we've shared and heard different stories. How many of you fully believe that you have entertained an angel in your life at some time? Oh, my word. That's awesome. Wow. I would love to hear these stories. Remember the prisoners as if you're chained with them. It's like, and Betty, I'll read this, and I just couldn't help but think about you. You spend so much time ministering to the people in the prisons. That's incredible. Would you just stand up for a second? That's somebody that's been here for the last couple of years that has just been such a blessing to Valley Church. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them and those who were mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. Marriage is honorable among all, and the marriage bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Let your conduct, or again, we're talking about conduct, be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Mm. Let's just say that together. The Lord is my helper. I shall not fear. I shall not want. He supplies all my needs. Amen. Okay, we're going to... Wow. That's pretty amazing to end up having five pastors up here allocate 15 minutes and have them do it in 15 minutes. It's like, typically that's like putting a wild calf off the range into a fenced pasture and say, stay. Like, uh, that was amazing. Uh, what an incredible staff here. Okay, I, I said that, jumped out of a... I want to... Uh, 
I want to move now to Joshua. I'm not sure what order I gave you those, but I want to go to Joshua 5, verses 13 through 15. You know, uh, when we when we look at Joshua, he's the one that got to cross over the Jordan. He's the one that got to enter into the promised land. The rest of them died off. But when he entered into the promised land and God started preparing him and the people, knowing that Jericho was going to be their first battle when they got there, you know, I'm sure that he was up and that he spent a lot of time just walking around and seeking the Lord as he was like, Man, we're here. We're, we're, we're in the promised land here, but we don't own this yet. We're going to have to end up taking uh, some of this land. It's, it's really clear. And, man, this is a fortified city, Jericho. And, and it's like, can you imagine being Joshua in the situation and thinking, I have to depend on God. He's the one that's got me here. He's the one that's got us here. And how are we ever going to take this city? And so verse 13 They're on the other side, they're in the promised land, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, as he's pacing around and praying and asking and wondering and looking, that he lifted his eyes, and he looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. It's like, oh, great, maybe the battle's come to us, you know what? What would your thoughts be? A man with a sword drawn, standing not inside the city, but right here close in your proximity. And Joshua went to him, and he said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? I love this passage. And, and, and the man said to him, No. It's like, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And a simple answer, No. But... So I'm not for either one. I just, when I, when I got there again, I felt like, you know, led back to this, and I was thinking, you know, as Christians, we absolutely have to end up taking a stand as to which side. It's like, and as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord So when I find my place to take that stand, it's keeping, like we talked about a few verses ago, keeping my eyes on Jesus is where I take the stand because I'm on his side, because I want him on my side. So my eyes are focused on Jesus, and that's whose side I am, that that I'm on. And he says, as the commander of the Lord's army, I have now come. I'm not on your side or not on the side of the adversary. I'm on God's side, and I'm going to do whatever he directs me to do, and whatever he shows me, whatever he tells me, that's what I'm doing. So if you're going to be in alignment, Joshua, with what God has in mind, then we will be on the same side. It's like when uh, I I heard somebody say, I don't remember who, at one point, at one point, listening to a, a, a preacher man, and, and he said, you know, I was asked the question, Am I, do I lean left or do I lean right? And he said, you know, no. I take my stand straight. I stand for Jesus. I'm not left-leaning. I'm not right-leaning. I'm looking directly at Jesus, standing straight and looking at Jesus. 
There's my focus. It's like, hmm, are you Democrat or are you Republican? I'm Christian. I am constantly taking a look at the values of those running on the Republican ticket or those running on the Democrat ticket who has the same values that I have, that Jesus has, and that's the side that I'm on. And Joshua went to him and he said, are, <laughs> are you for us or for our adversaries? No, as a commander of the Lord's army, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? It's like when we recognize that it's somebody that's a part of the kingdom, then we might open our ears to hear what they have to say. But it's not somebody that's going to be speaking into my life until I know whom they serve. Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. And it's like, oh my goodness, I realize why you have me here now. Like, sometimes there are things that we have to remove that have to be removed, <clears throat> that have to be removed from our person, from our body, something that we have to take off, let go, hand of the, like these weights that, 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 that weigh us down, that hold us back from running the race, or something that we have to take off so we can be standing in his presence on holy ground, it's like, Joshua, take off your shoes, because this is holy ground. It's like, oh. I read an article a few days ago that just kind of captured my interest, because I've used this as an example before. It's like, when you're going into somebody's house, you look and see if there's a pile of shoes by the door, you know, if I'm in some, I take off my shoes, because it's like, oh, great, I wonder what socks I have on today, you know, it's like... <laughs> But that doesn't matter. I'm going to take off my shoes if I see the head of the house has a pile of shoes there. So I take off my shoes. And so there's an article that was like, so should we take off our shoes when we go into somebody's house? And it's like the big question. And I read through that and it's like, oh my goodness, there's all kinds of crazy stuff that you can bring on your shoes. The places that you have been, where you have walked, what you've stepped in. From pesticides, <laughs> yeah, what you've stepped in. Sometimes you can smell it. You know you need to take them off, and it should be outside. But, but you know, wh where you may have been, the residue has followed you because it's stuck to your shoes. And shoes can represent many, many things. And for sometimes it's even representing ministry, you know, the, or shoes of peace, whatever. It's like, okay. You need to take that off. You need to remove that so you can end up standing in his presence because you're on holy ground. Does this make sense yet? Am, am I getting there? It's like, man, anything that I have 
on me anywhere that needs to be removed for me to be where I need to be so I can be standing in his presence, so I can be on holy ground, grounded on holy ground. Are you with me? So we're going to be doing some, a little examining as we finish out this year. Some of us are turning a page. Alex back there is like turning a page. This is like day three or day four or something like that. It's like it's a new journey. It's turning the page to 2024 is a brand new book for him. For some of us, we're, we're, we're just moving to another chapter. I look at my life and think, wow, I'm... I'm entering the third quarter, so this is like a, a game, and the, what's the most important part of the game? It's, well, it's the fourth quarter, because that's the one where it's determined whether you win or lose. It's like, I'm moving into the fourth quarter, so I think it's like, yes, next year is the first, the first day of the second year of my fourth quarter. <laughs> you do the math. I'm not planning on making it to 100, but I'm planning on making it to 96. If you want to follow the math, you see, you can figure out this riddle. So, boo. <laughs> okay. I want to turn to 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, beginning reading with verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. We're going to get ready for... We're going to get ready to end up taking communion, which will be the last thing that we do. We will take communion together here. But as I'm reading this, I want you to begin thinking, and I want you to take that piece of paper. Does everyone have a piece of paper and a pen? So we'll be ready for the worship team here very shortly. See, I feel like the Lord has shown us that we are to live holy. We are to walk out our calling with diligence, with due diligence, with our eyes focused on Jesus and thinking of the price that he paid for our lives, for our freedom, for us to be set free from sin. And because of we love Jesus, because we understand the price that was paid for our salvation, then we will be walking in, in such a manner that is worthy of the price that he paid. We walk in such a manner that it is worthy of the price that he paid for our salvation, for the salvation of our souls. So as we receive, as we receive this morning, and before we receive, I, I say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come right now. I want you to just speak to us as 
individuals in your relationship with us. And as we look down on this, this paper, that there's something that we will write on this paper that I need to get rid of. It's like, we're gonna, this is going to be like taking off your sandals to be standing on holy ground. If you think of, it's like, okay, this is something that definitely has to leave my body, that has to leave my life, that has to leave my presence, so I can stand holy in his presence. Something that I have to get rid of, something that I have to give up, something that I have to hang on the cross. And we're going to end up forming two lines, and you're going to go through, and you're going to end up, you're not putting your name on it, you're just going to put it at the cross of the feet of Jesus, on the cross of Jesus, like, I am, I am taking this off, I'm getting rid of this, I'm hanging it on the cross, right there. So, Holy Spirit, come, show, direct, correct. I just thank you for a rebuke right now, where we will be hearing a word, it's like, yeah, I need to get rid of that, yet, that's something that I'm not carrying into 2024. Let's thank you, Jesus, as we look at you and who you are, and we, as we receive your love, and as we express back to you our love, that you will show us something that we're ready to clean up, that we're ready to give up, that we're ready to hang on the cross, crucify it on the cross with you. So I can stand in your presence on holy, holy ground. And Paul says, For I have received from the Lord that which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So as we come, the first thing that we're doing is we're going to end up hanging that piece of paper, the thing that we need to take off, the thing that we need to get rid of. It's gone, gone, gone. It's crucified with Jesus. We hang it on the cross. Well, then we're going to walk through. So we're ready for the servers to come up now, if the servers would come. As we take from the bread, we, we, we pick the wafer that's representing the bread, which is the body of Jesus, which was broken for you. We're doing this in remembrance of him, as he says, this do in remembrance of me. Where we remember the sacrifice that he's made for us by his broken body. In Hebrews it says, that the curtain was rent, the veil was torn, but the veil that we get to the Holy of Holies through is through the broken body, the ripped flesh, the broken body of Jesus Christ is how we enter the Holy of Holies. So we're hanging on the cross anything that he has shown us that we need to get rid of, and we're taking of the bread so I would encourage you now to exit to this side to your left, that side to your right, and just go past the cross right there. Those of you on this half of the sanctuary, you can make a line around. On this side of the sanctuary, we make a line. 
as you've listened, as you've heard, and you know in your heart and your spirit, this is something that I am hanging on the cross. Then the servers are, are holding the bread and they're holding of the blood. And the worship team is going to be playing once I'm finished speaking and you have received the elements. I encourage you to go with your family, to go with somebody that you particularly has highlighted to you that you want to do communion with. Is there somebody in your life that you know you need to forgive? It might be a good person to go do communion with. So as I continue to read, it's like, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me, because it's through his broken body that we enter into the Holy of Holies. Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I am the life. No one enters and comes unto the Father except through me, through his sacrifice, his broken body. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So we take the cup, celebrating, remembering, rejoicing in what he has done for us as we partake of the cup. And again, I say, come, receive, choose with your family, with whomever you want to take, because we're going to end up doing a little worship as you take of the communion. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. As often as you eat this bread, drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes, till his return. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he who eats and drinks... In an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. It's like, you know, it's a, it's a really good thing for us to examine ourselves. And when we think about it, there's something in our life that needs to be cleaned up, we give it to Jesus. I give it to you, Lord. I ask that you would forgive me. And I receive that forgiveness and I hang this thing on the cross. We just thank you, Lord, for your grace, for your forgiveness in our lives, for the love, God. I just thank you that you sacrificed your son for my sin. He who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. We discern your body this morning, Lord. We're so thankful for that sacrifice, for your blood, for your flesh. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. 
But if, for if we judge ourselves, we will not be judged. It's like, it's a great thing to take time to think and to, to, to judge ourselves. What is it that I need? What is it in my life that I need to get rid of? What is it in my life that I need to ask forgiveness for? But when we're judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. All right, wherever you are in this process, let's just pray together. Father, let's, let's pray together. Father, I give you thanks. I give you my praise. I love you. I receive your love. I ask that you forgive me for any sin in my life. I ask that you point it out, that you correct me, rebuke me, chasten when necessary, that I may be holy in your sight and in the sight of others. Guide me, direct me, receive me, and correct me. I bless your holy name. Amen.